today if you have your Bibles and you just want to open that up Psalms 84 but keep your Bibles open because we're going to be going over that whole Psalms today Psalms 84 and this message is about where you hang out who do you hang out with or why are you even there or why are you even here and Psalms 84 initially we're just going to look at a few verses to jumpstart this message. We'll start verse 4 of Psalms 84. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. That's what we did today. Praising the Lord and worship the Lord. They ever praise you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on the pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till it appears before God in Zion. And the writer of the psalm seems to love to dwell in the presence of God, to hang out with the Lord, to be in his presence. Amen. He craves it. He, he yearns it, is what he's saying. He's crying out for it. And as we go through the Psalms, I wonder, or well, this big idea is, where do you love to hang out and with whom and why? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for this great Psalms, O oh God, for your holy scriptures as well, O oh God for the wonderful worship that went up as well, oh God. May we continue to stay in this atmosphere of worship. May we continue to praise your name in all that we do, oh God. May we continue, Lord, to be sensitive to your spirit, to your move, to your presence, oh God. Lord, open our eyes, our ears to learn something today, to draw ourselves a little bit closer to you, oh God, to enjoy the fellowship and the, the bride of Christ at new levels, oh God. Help us, O oh Lord. Give us a discerning heart, O oh God. Illuminate our mind. We may receive more from you today than yesterday. We thank you, O oh God. Bless this word. Bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. Now, this psalm appears to be written and composed by the sons of, of Korah. And I like to just explain that from the beginning of this message as well, because the past here is, is darkened by the family's failure and the people who they hung out with. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to jot this down, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 and 34 reminds us, do not be misled. A bad company corrupts good character. And come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God, and I say this to your shame. In fact, I would say not only are some people ignorant of, of God, but they mock Him and they don't fear Him at all. I would say that to your shame. 
and therefore they do things that are evil and sinful and suffer great loss for it. So who is Korah? Who is Korah, the family of Korah? If you recall, Korah was a Levite uh, who rose up against Moses and Aaron and was uh, able to get around 250 other community leaders in the process to bring accusation against Moses and Aaron. And you can read about that if you want in Numbers chapter 16 when you have some more time. God wasn't pleased with, with them. God wasn't pleased with um, what they did and how they treated their anointed one. They sinned greatly against God and their punishment was very severe because of it. The ground opened up and swallowed up Korah and his family and it came down. Fire from heaven came down and consumed these 250 leaders as well. And while I won't spend a lot of time here in the story, it does give us warning about the seriousness of sin and bringing accusation against God and his chosen leaders. And I would say long before that I became, even became a, a pastor, I learned to respect and honor leadership and the position of pastor and those who lead and oversee inside of a church. And while I also struggled from time to time with various pastors for various reasons, because some have failed me in the past over the years, I've also have been very careful of what I say about them, even when I don't like some of the things they did and said. We have to be careful on, especially in social media today, how we're ripping into so many different uh, men and women of God, uh, making accusations against them as if they're not from God at all, they're not believed. Just be careful. It's a, it's a warning. Be careful about touching, taking, and talking badly about these uh, people of God, God's anointed ones, God who has set them apart. This topic even slides into other topics such as the temple and the, and the tithe in the Old Testament. We even know that uh, looking inside of the Ark of the Covenant was a death sentence. Let me give you that scripture, First Samuel, First Samuel 6, verse 19 through 20 records this, but God struck down some of the men from uh, Beth Shemesh, putting severely of them to death because they have looked into the ark of the Lord. The people mourned because of it, how heavy the blow the Lord had dealt them. And, and the men asked, who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? Church, we are not to be casual with God or take the things that belong to him um, casually. It's another topic, but it's an important topic. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we seem to forget that so often. And while there's grace, there is still a judgment. And so uh, you think you might get a pass because uh, you sin. Well, there's still judgment very often that comes, even if it doesn't come immediately. Uh, but with that said, prayer and purpose and focus it's so important. Ask God to forgive you. Repent for your sins. Ask God to forgive you. Um, and spare you the judgment that you deserve. We all deserve judgment. We might not like that. That's probably an ouch for all of us. But we don't like it. Who likes to be punished? Oh, sign me up. Doesn't really work that way. Now, it seems that Korah did not uh, like the position that he was assigned in life. And as a Levite, he wanted to be a priest. And those are slightly different things. And he felt like the entire community had uh, equal rights to the priesthood. But the truth is, God will anoint and appoint who he chooses to. And not only everyone will have that same appointing and anointing inside of a, a church or a, or a fellowship. So 
Korah was jealous of Moses and Aaron and their position. And so he brings an accusation against them. And he swayed so many people to follow them. And all that followed him suffered great loss because of their sinfulness. In fact, that fear, that caused fear in the community and rebelled. And they rebelled. Even more people rebelled against against God and Aaron and Moses at the same time. Sometimes it's contagious when one person does wrong, especially in the setting of a church or a family. Other people seem to follow and do these things that are wrong as well. We see this with Korah. And it led to be over 14,000 people in that community dying of a plague. Be careful what you say, church. Be careful who you're following, church. Who you're hanging out with. It might cost you your life. Especially when you rise up against God and uh, his anointed ones in the process. There's always consequences to sin. And sin will always affect more than just yourself. That's the way it works. People think whatever they do in private doesn't matter. They think whatever they do over there doesn't affect things over here. But, but there's consequences. Remember, there's also mercy, yes. favor, yes. grace. And the sons of Korah uh, wrote and composed this, uh, this uh, biblical psalms and, and several psalms like this. And Psalms 84 starts off by saying, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. How lovely. Yes. Now this word in, in our language today typically means to, to live in or a specified place, in a place where you typically find rest and maybe you'll find peace as well. Your dwelling place is often maybe your home or your apartment or a place where you just need to reside. Uh, so where do you dwell? Where uh, do you stay? Where do you find rest? Or where are you going to hang out today? Many people don't have their homes that are peaceful or comfort. And so what they do is they go elsewhere. They look elsewhere. They hang out elsewhere. They go find their rest and comfort elsewhere. Maybe they might just go home to get some sleep or or something else, um, and get a meal, but they much rather hang out uh, at the bars or at work late. They don't want to stay home. They don't want to deal with their life at home or with their spouse or with their children. Maybe they only pop in their house for a few minutes or whatever it might be, and then, and then they leave. Many people just rather be somewhere else. And I, I just want to speak about where do you hang out? Why do you hang out there? With whom are you hanging out with? We need to ask those questions. <laughs> Let's start with God's dwelling place. Number one, God's dwelling place is church. It's his church. The Bible often refers to this word dwell to mean fully present, fully present or, or with a person. So God's dwelling among his people and he came to settle down or engage with his people. We need to understand that. And while the writers of the psalm says, how lovely is your dwelling place, he didn't say how lovely is my dwelling place or my home or, or where I hang out. It's how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. The dwelling place was about God and where God is and he dwells in this church. Now I think many people have lost their mind, or should I say, mindset. They've lost this idea uh, that we come to church just to hang out. But we come to church really to meet with God. And so sure, we, we can meet with God elsewhere. We can do that. But there's something about the community of believers gathering together around each other and being in the presence of God 
together. Amen? Amen. And when we enter God's dwelling place, there should be joy. There should be an expectation, there should be an anticipation that when we show up, God will show up as well. Amen? Like in the days of old, the tabernacle and the temple was a place where God dwelled. And clearly the writers here have the affection towards the dwelling place of God. How lovely is your dwelling place? How lovely, right? How dear, how beloved, right? These are different descriptive words of your dwelling place. This isn't, uh, uh, by the way, this isn't a description of the dwelling place here in the sense we see emotion. We have this feeling of emotion that's actually happening here. It doesn't give us like what the room looked like, what the building looked like, right? But it's really more of an emotion, a feeling that was dear to the writers, and it should be dear to us. Now, let me be clear as well. God is here. God is dwelling in this house because uh, we are here. And I don't mean because the Gambinos are here. I mean because we are here, because the we are the church. We are the believers, right? The bride is here. So if the bride is here, the groom should want to be here too. And, and no, if you're going to be married soon and you don't want to be with your future bride, Houston, you have a problem. Um, I, I'm available Monday if you want to talk. But you have a problem because where the bride is, the groom should want to be around too. And too often, too many marriages, they don't want to be around their bride anymore. That's problematic. The Lord wants to be with his bride. The Lord wants to be with his bride. Amen. Hallelujah. This is his house. And remember, this is a building. Right? And so without all of us here, this is just an empty shell of a building. An empty house. But with us here, we are the bride of Christ. It becomes God's house. It becomes God's dwelling place. And he loves his church. He loves his people. He loves his bride. And so from the onset of this message, I, we need to check up from the neck up. We need to kind of get that in our hearts and minds. Examine your heart. Examine what you dwell on. Examine. Search your hearts, right? And how you view church and coming together and being part of a fellowship. You're not just anywhere today. You are here. I have been saying this for 30 years. Be where you are. Be who you are in Christ Jesus. And be where you are. We're always somewhere else. Our mind is here. Our body's somewhere else. What do I want to do? And when do we get into lunch? And I got family coming over and I got to work tomorrow and I got this and that. We're never so often where we belong. You're not at work. You're not at the movie theater. You're not at some social club. When you're just looking safe for some games and fun. No, you're in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. The very dwelling place of God. And he deserves your best. He deserves our reverence. He deserves our honor. He deserves our awe, our respect, right? This is precious and holy. Let's never forget when we come together, we make this room different because he's here with us and he meets us here. There's so much emotion in this scripture being revealed to us. The writer is overwhelmed to the point where he faints. That's me fainting. I don't know what the up comes from, but... Like, oh, I'm going to break my head when I fall. I, I, I like, ah, the pain and suffering that's going to come. But there's so much like, wow, we get to do this. We get to be here. Oh, God, thank you for coming here and meeting us here. Oh, God. Amen. And we can just bask in his presence and faint and know that we're safe yeah. and that we're okay. Verse 2, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. 
Now a little later in this message, I'll talk more about that we are being the carriers of God's glory. That means He dwells in us. At salvation, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have the Holy Spirit. I don't know where this teaching comes like uh, two, three times later down the road, you get Him over, but you get more of Him. No, you don't get more of the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit at salvation. We, we, we teach here spirit baptism, spirit water baptism, spirit baptism, but you only get one spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in you at salvation. You don't get more. You release more of yourself. You surrender more of yourself. You open up more of yourself. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Yes, we sing those songs. They're great. Holy Spirit, come. Yes, but we're really saying, Holy Spirit, engulf me with your presence. What's inside? Let it come outside of you and fill us with the power and the authority of God. Hallelujah. My heart, my flesh cries out for the living God. Hallelujah. But for now, let's, let's just be clear. We're in the house, in the presence of God. Our hearts should yearn and cry out to be in His presence, to be in the courts of the presence of God. We should be all in type people. Stop just putting your pinky toe in the water. Jump all in, church. Get soaking wet in the glory and the presence of God. Later on at the end of the service, we're going to talk about, we're going to sing a little bit more. Let it rain. Let the showers of rain come and fall on us. But I don't want a little sprinkling. I don't want a little water. I want to be thrown inside the rivers of living life. Right? Throw, get yourself all in. Get soaking wet in Christ Jesus. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. By the way, do you know God is alive? He is the resurrected one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the resurrected one. He is the Messiah. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. While other religions and, uh, and following these idols that are made of wood and metal and stone. They're made and created by man. Our Lord and Savior. He was not created. He always was and always will be. Amen. Right? He is the living one. He is the resurrected Savior. He is the Messiah of the world. The Savior of the world. Yes. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Self-existed. He always was. He existed before time as we know it on earth even existed. He created everything seen and unseen. But he himself always was. Always was and is and will always be. And we shall long and cry, cry out to be in the presence of the living God. Jesus said... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What a beautiful expression of the psalmist here. My heart and my flesh cry out to the living God. Spending some time here because I think so many people have this wrong mindset of church and coming together as a body of believers and a fellowship and what it's all about. The psalms is not looking for and crying out for more programs or more entertainment or some more self-improvement course, right? My best life ever or whatever these things are these days. And, and while there's nothing wrong with those things, that's not what he longs for. That's not what he cries out for. He wants to meet with God and dwell in the presence of the living God. And he understands that our life will be different 
when we are in the presence of God and that's what's best for you. That's what's best for your children. That's what's best for your family and friends. That's the best life. Yes. Being in the center and the will of God. Yes. He wants to meet with you. May we all learn to crave the things of God, right? Yes. And bask and linger in his presence. Hallelujah. And I believe as, as pastor of this church, and I spoke to, you know, over the, over the last many years, uh, spoke to even the board about these things, but I want to see God move powerfully in this house and in this church. I hope you desire that too. I hope you're praying for that too. And we know that there were prophetic words over this house, and I believe they're going to still happen. God's word's not going to uh, go void. It's going to happen. But while these programs are okay and various classes, you know, that's all good. We watched it over the last 30 years and have seen these programs uh, don't seem to move the hand of God like everyone might think they might do or what some of these books say they're supposed to do. Nor do we see our kid, the kids growing and, and, and being established and standing strong in their faith long term based on these programs they, they seem to uh, be part of. It blows my mind. So what moves the hand of God is when the people pray, when the people worship, when the people align themselves with the word of God and obey the words of God, obey his will and words, right? It's obedience to the word. And when you understand this and you get your children uh, immersed in, in, in the things of God and family and friends and they start understanding, it, it starts taking on a new meaning in your life, right? We start to crave the things of God. You want to change your family? Teach them to crave the things of God. I hunger and thirst for the things of God. I desire this. I am thirsty. I thirst. And we are so rich and fat and plump in America that we stop thirsting for these things. We hear Jesus and Jesus and Jesus and Merry Christmas and we sing songs. And, and I, I went to a restaurant the other day and I'm listening to all the Christmas songs about Jesus. No one cares. No one's really listening to the words. They're humming it and cursing at the same time. Start to crave the things of God. Start prioritizing and reprioritizing your life as a believer. Spend more time. Too many families are spending more time rallying around their sports and things and, and life and projects. and All these things are important. I get it. But have we prioritized God right out of our homes and our church? Is that really what's best for everyone long term? Just, just pause and think about it. Crave the courts. Do we crave? Do we crave as parents? Do we crave as singles? Do we crave as youth and as moms and dads and boys and girls? Do we crave to be in the courts, the presence of the Lord? It says, may your heart and flesh cry out to the living God. I think so many people come to church for the wrong reason. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad for those that are watching. But I think we come to church so often for the wrong reason, the wrong mindset. It's, they come so often for social connections. They come because they're lonely. They come because um, they might need a babysitter. I'll tell you, it won't be the first time that we've seen someone come in, drop their kids, and then go to the diner. My kids need to go to church, not me. I'm going to the diner. I'm having breakfast. I'll be back in an hour. You just watch them, right? I'll, instead of paying a babysitter, I'll just drop off to the church for free, and then I'll go take that money and buy myself a meal. No, you probably need less food, but you need some spiritual nourishment. Get back into the house of God. So many people just don't want to care for their own children. 
Recently, I had someone uh, more than once come into this church. Well, at least once he made this, this statement um, that he came into this church <laughs> because he said to me, my pastor doesn't have time for me. So he, he came to church because he said, I know, I know you spend time with people. It's not really, it's not really the right reason to come to church. Go, go to your pastor and talk to your pastor. But it's okay. We'll, we'll have a conversation as well. And I did. And I, and I spent some time with him. But because I think he was a lost soul and he needed someone to talk to. So sometimes it doesn't matter what church you go to. You're a lost soul. Yeah. Let's talk. Amen? Amen. Divine appointments are divine appointments, even if they don't attend your house. Right? right? Yes. We need to get that. Amen. So sometimes we're in the hurry and the bustle of life, and we're just like, I don't have time for this. And I get it. But when you get that check, I'm just going to say, make time. You're not going to get that check all the time. Because you'll never get from here to there. You'll never get anywhere. But, but there's a check. And when you get that check and you know it, there's a divine appointment. How many, times, how many times did Peter walk past the crippled? We, we remember when he stopped, but we don't remember the 20 years he walked by. But when you get that check from God, there's a miracle about to happen. Amen? Amen? All right, you get that for free today. We should come because we want to hear from God. We should come because we're obedient to his words. Amen? Because he told us to gather as believers, as his bride, because he told us to pray, because he, he wants worship from us. He deserves worship from us in so many various ways. We come to model Christ. We come to be a model of Christ to others, to see it modeled. Be a model Christ is, is model Christ for others to see, but also because you believe in it, not just so others can see, right? It's not about, oh, let me sh show you how, how godly I am. Though That's not what it means. Right? We come to learn and grow in our, in our faith and get equipped for ministry. We come because believers are, course, are called to gather. But if we miss Christ in the process, we miss, we miss the most important thing. We miss the main thing. Or better state, said, the main person is Christ himself. Hallelujah. Christ must be the center of what we do. If we, if we love God wrongly, right? If we don't love him with the right motives, then, then everything that we do, everything, I, I, I don't... I don't care if it's good what you're doing. I don't care if you even accomplish great things. If, if it's not seasoned in, in what God wants you to do, then it's works of the flesh. That's the way I see it. We love God wrongly. Everything else will be, will be wrong. The primary focus and expectation of meeting God is to share and experience Him, experience the power and the presence and, his, and the purposes of the living God. Amen? Amen? It's Christ is not the center of what we do, then we're simply working in the flesh. Yes. It might be a good thing in the end, but it won't be an eternal thing in the end. And I believe there's reasons why so many programs and practices put forth the church and in people's homes have failed, because it's not Christ-centered. It's done with worldly motives and interactions. And I believe that's why so many children and young adults and even marriages and, and people and have just gone astray. The teenagers, years, we're losing them in high school, we're losing them in college. They have left the church and they have left the faith in so many ways, abandoned Christ. I believe it's because we have not learned to bask in the presence of God. 
We haven't learned the power and presence and purpose, purposes of the living God. And we haven't taught our children how to experience these things because we are always in a rush. Someone recently told me, hey, people come in late and they leave in early. And so how do we, how, how do we get, not here. I love the fact that more people are coming in early and, and lingering. But this was a, a youth telling me about a church that they go to uh, because we have youth that come to our church that don't come here on Sundays. And how people come in late and they leave early. So how is, how, how is that person able to make relationships when there's no lingering, when there's no hanging out, when there's no altar time anymore, when there's no just basking in the presence and people aren't kneeling down, people aren't lifting up holy hands. We have not learned to yearn in the presence of God. We need to teach our children that. And we need to model it, church. I always say this is not for the sinner only. It's for the sinner and the saint of God. If you're a believer, model what you want to see modeled. Live what you want to see live. Display that in front of your children as well. Verse 3, even the sparrows have found a home and the swallowed and, uh, and, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King, my God. Even the sparrow has made a home in God's dwelling place. How beautiful is that? From time to time, we have birds that are in the church attic that, that pop in there because uh, we need some uh, needed soffit repairs. Uh, and if you call years back, we had a bird that was flying back and forth. And don't worry, no, no bird was harmed in the, in the produ uh, pr you know, producing of a, a church service. But we're able to get it out of the, the building. Uh, but when I read the Psalms, it makes me think about these birds that are, that are nestled uh, in the eaves and the soffits of the building. And they're singing and they're making a beautiful sounds and praises unto God. They made their little house, their, the dwelling place of God near the altar of God and they're singing praises. How beautiful is that picture of this little bird singing praises unto God. And may I add, the Lord takes care of the, the sparrow, right? And the birds of the air. How much more will he take care of his own children? So why do we worry? Why do we worry, church? Why do we worry about so many things when he takes care of the birds and the sparrows? Why do we get so distracted with worldly things? Let's learn to worship the Lord Instead of being centered on all these other things, right? Worship the Lord. Enter his presence and his courts with praise. Oh, Lord Almighty, my King, my God, blessed are those who dwell in the house of God. They're ever praising you, Selah. Regardless whether you're rich or poor, significant, or even of small significance, we all have a place in God's house where we can draw closer to him and near his presence and find rest in his house and while we give praises to him. And I also point out that not everyone, not everyone will, not every, everyone can, but not everybody will say my king and my God. And they know the Lord. They heard the stories. They, they read some of the program, uh, poems and stuff like this, right? Uh, they maybe opened up the Bible and thumbed through it a bit. But they have not surrendered their will. They have not surrendered their life. They're not in a position where they can say, my Lord and my God, my King and my God, my Lord and my Master and my Savior. They can't say those things and therefore they lose out on their blessing, right? They're unable to praise the Lord rightly. Blessed, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever praising you, 
Sila. Now this word sila seems to be a musical note or pause or some musical direction. I've always taught that sila meant to pause, to think about what was just said. Don't just rush on to the next uh, verse or standard or thought. Most scholars say it's a musical term. Some, some have this other view in mind. Sila indicates a, a pause in the text. Uh, um, it, 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 the word can mean forever, a derivative of the Hebrew root, uh, which means to raise your voices or make the instrument louder. Recently, I, I read something that said uh, that, that highlights the theme that that Sila, Sila highlights this theme of sin and judgment and redemption. But I often teach it as a pause and reflect. Pause. Reflect. And that's what I encourage us to do. Sila. Pause. Reflect. God's dwelling place. His church. Number two, God's dwelling place. His people. Is the Lord your king and your God. Sila. Dwell there a moment. Pause and reflect on that thought. If he's not, if he's not your king, if he's not your God, if he's not your savior, why not? What's stopping you? What's hindering you? What's blocking you from receiving Jesus and following his will and his ways? Maybe you think I have more time. Oh, let me just get married first. Let me get a job first. Let me have children first. And now you're an old person. You're decrepit and you're still going, well, take your teeth out and maybe whatever. Rolled, he's still going. I got time. What are you waiting for? What a waste. Everything else is more important. What a waste. If you don't know him in a personal way, sila. Pause, reflect. Repent for your sins. Invite him to be Lord and Master of your life. Repent, Lord, forgive me. I want you to be Lord and master of my, my life. When you're truly saved, you're blessed. And you'll be strengthened by him. Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on the pilgrimage. The word blessed here means happy. It's something we must learn to be happy, happy, happy. That was for you. Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> be happy in the Lord. Rest in the Lord, right? Wait in the presence of the Lord. Your strength comes from the Lord. Your joy comes from the Lord, right? Salvation is a free gift from the Lord. And I believe it also is a choice, a decision that we make to be happy in the presence of God, to be saved, to, to find salvation in Him. And if we don't, there's problems. And we're not to rely on the world for our strength and, and approval. We're not to rely on, on ourselves. To get through our hard times, our strength comes from the Lord. Yes. We are to set out on this pilgrimage, this journey through life. We're not looking to escape the hardship, but embrace it as we embrace Him. And we must know that hard times will come. Now don't ask for the hard times. Oh boy, give me hard times. Oh boy, rock my world. No, 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 no. But Lord, help me. In my hard times. Prepare me for my hard times. And so as we journey, it, will, it must revolve around God. We rely on God. Amen? Amen? He will renew our strength. Happening comes our way. It might not be immediate. But I believe it will come. 
You hang around in the Lord's presence long enough. It will come unless you're bunkering down against him. But as you surrender, all oh, the peace, the joy, his will will, will just stop moving in your life. I don't know how people want to do life alone. If I had the choice between going alone or going it with God, I'll take him every time. Jesus, hold the wheel. Take the wheel. I'll just be a passenger in your, in your car. I'm good with that because wherever you're going, it's going to be best for me. I choose you every time. But so many people choose to go it alone. They try to do life alone, right? And they end up so often alone and hurt and very empty and very dissatisfied. True happiness and joy only comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. Doing what's pleasing to Him. And our journey in life, yes, it's going to be hard, church. Get it in your head. It will be hard. He was persecuted. Jesus was persecuted. He went to a cross. There's trials and struggles. But it's only for a season. Verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. The understanding of this word, uh, Baca, totally, it, it is not really 100% clear. Commentary suggests that it, it means uh, trials and uh, tears and, and weeping, dryness and, and drought. When you go through some difficult times in your life, there will be tears, there will be weeping, there will be drought. But in those valleys of Baca, know that God is there. Hallelujah. God will give you the peace and, and the refreshing springs of joy and rain. Praise the Lord for those times of the refreshing rain. So the Valley of Baca very often is unavoidable in life. It's a season in, in your life where you're facing hard times, where you're facing hardship. Where, and I like to say hard aches, heart aches. A place of sorrow, a place, a place of pain, a place of of weeping, a place, a place where it's just high, a dry place in your life, but it's a season in your life. It says an arid region, right? Uh, with little or no rain. Many will pass by it on their way to worship, through Jerusalem to worship. And I encourage you today to trust in the Lord as you, as you journey through your valley of Baca, on your way to worship, on your way to meet with God, amen, on your pilgrimage in life. But know that you're not alone. Know that God is with you and for us. And, and even though you're going to see some hard times in life, we're going to see some hard times in life, right? Know that He's with us. There's going to be times where we're weeping and tears and drought and downcast. In fact, Psalms 23 says, fear no evil. Thou with you as you go through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? He is with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes it feels like we're drowning. Am I the only one? <laughs> Raise your hand. Come on. Am I the only one, church? No, I'm not. Amen. That's, but sometimes we feel alone. And people don't, people, we had a great word from Linda, Friday night for the youth, and she talked about loneliness, and she was an encouraging word, but there are times that we're alone, but there are other people that are more lonely than us. And we don't want to tell anybody that we're lonely, but that other person is worse off than us, and we leave them 
in their valley of Baca with no help. We find ourselves weeping in hard times, broken in trials and struggles. Our confidence is in the Lord. Amen. Our trust is in the Lord. We trust the Lord. We trust the words in the Bible. It's not just a few ancient words. These are God's words to us. In good times and bad, we trust and we find strength in Him. Our joy and our peace and our comfort comes from Him. While we're in the valley of Baca, as we're in the valley of Baca and our trials, right? Because God is with us and for us. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. All glory and honor goes to God. Hallelujah. We are His children and He loves us greatly. As we trust Him, we go from Strength to strength. Now our goal, it's not pain and suffering, right? But it's to grow in our faith and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to take us to a place of worship. You need to get that. When we yearn from the Lord, we cry out to the Lord. And we long to be in His presence. But know this, the devil wants your focus. The devil wants your attention. The devil wants the glory. The devil doesn't want you to focus on your, on your shame and your pain. He wants you to focus on your lack. He wants you to focus on your struggle. He wants you to focus on your hard times. He doesn't want you to rejoice in the Lord always. He doesn't want you to rejoice in the Lord. Amen. He wants you to complain. Woe is me. Because as you go through the valley of Baca, you have the tears. So often you stay there. If you're not careful, you die there. Don't give up. And don't give in to the enemy's demands. You're going to face it. We'll all face loss. We will all have times of struggles. But praise God, He's still with us. And we are to worship God, right? Even in these hard times. And when you go through your valley of Baca and, you're, and you start worshiping Him, oh, the pain of the trials and the weeping, and you're worshiping Him anyway, He won't know what to do with you, church. Oh, I lost my job. Praise God, I love you anyway. I had a loss in my life. Praise God, I love you anyway. Whatever I'm going through, praise the name of the Lord because He is worthy of your praise. Even in your pain and suffering through the valley of Baca, He is with you. Hallelujah. We are going to be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Don't stay there and die. Get up and glorify God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The enemy wants to turn your tricks and temptations and hard times into pain and suffering. But we're going to rejoice in the Lord. I won't allow the devil to take my worship. I can't think of that song. That song won't take my worship. It won't take my worship. I don't know how that goes, but that's a song, right? I have that playing in my head. Come on, don't laugh at me. That's, a, that's my daddy's singer. But I know that I see that girl, I see that lady go, won't take my worship. Won't take my worship. Man, you got to find that song. That's a great song. Now, the devil will not take our worship. Hallelujah. All glory and honor goes to God. Remember, we grow stronger in the valleys of the Baca. All right? We grow stronger in those valleys. We face our adversaries and our struggles straight on. My faith will not be shaken. Hallelujah. What I see with my eyes, my faith will not be shaken. As I go through these valleys, my, my faith will not be shaken. I'm persecuted. My faith will not be shaken. I'm going through pain and suffering. My faith will not be shaken. May we find grace and mercy 
as we journey through the valley of Baca and go through these uncertain times and dryness and droughts in our life. Yes, it's hard. It's hard, church. It's hard. But we see that there will be springs of blessings, right? Refreshing autumn springs and rain. May we find the strength to carry on as he refreshes us. May it not break us. May it build us up in Christ Jesus. Yes. James chapter 1 says, Count it all a joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Many kinds of uh, trials. Why? Because the testing of your faith work it, uh, develops perseverance, which helps to mature you and complete you in our faith and growth, in our determination to stay the course, not give up, not quit, not give in to the devil's demands we grow. Verse 7 Maybe go from strength to strength till each person appears before God in Zion. Verse 8, hear my prayers, O Lord God Almighty. That phrase alone, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob, Selah. Again, we, we have to pause and reflect on what was just being said. Selah, pause and reflect. We turn to the Lord in these valleys, not to our trials, but to our Lord. And it says, praise O God of Jacob, give ear to me. Jacob saw so many, many hard times. And we won't go into this story in any great details today. But remember, he, he was the trickster. He was the deceiver. He, he deceived Esau and his father Isaac regarding the blessing of his older brother Esau. And then he had to run for his life because his brother wanted to kill him. Right? Uh, he ran to his uncle's house and who tricked him and then later tricked him and deceived him. And so the deceiver gets deceived. And then he works for his uncle uh, for, for seven years. Um, he thought he was getting Rachel, but he wound up getting Leah, the, the sister, instead. And just in case you don't know the story, uh, on the wedding night, the sisters were switched. Imagine waking up and you kissed the girl. I don't know where all these stories are coming to my head, but they kissed the girl. Kissed the girl. Everybody knows that one too, right? Come on, you laugh, but you know, you know the thought that just came into your head when I said that, right? But anyway, he wakes up and he kissed the girl. And he goes, yike, it's the wrong girl. It's 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 Leah instead of Rachel. He might have a little bit too much vino that night. I, I don't know, but all I can tell you is that um, I really don't know how that how that can even happen. And then you read the story and you find out it was done on purpose. Because man, he would he needs to be beat if that was if that was done on purpose. Like wedding night, go with the wrong girl. Are you crazy? They find out it was done on purpose. Right, the deceiver got deceived. And it was done by Jacob's father-in-law who set the whole thing up. He wanted his, fir his, his first daughter to be married first. And what goes around, so often comes around, Jacob's now deceived. Jacob now works for his father-in-law father for another seven years to get the girl of his dreams, Rachel, who he dearly loved. And he works for around 20 years total for his father-in-law before he gets up enough nerve to basically say, I'm done. And God blesses him in this process and he leaves a very rich man, but the trickster was tricked. In the process, he suffers great loss because of his sins, right? He never saw his mom again. He never saw Rebecca again. And it's 20 years later before he sees his dad and his brother. And so they never met their, his wife and his children until 20 years later, right? He was under the thumb of his father-in-law and um, who wasn't really a nice guy. But I'll just say this, because someone asked me 20 years later, um, I, thought, I, thought, I thought Isaac was um, dying. Yeah, well, his eyes were getting old, but he lasted 20 more years. That just tells you 
you know, someone's on their deathbed can be 20 years, right? So giddy up and be faithful. But what he did is he left. He left. And even though he went through his valley of Baca, and even though he had great loss, he also had great gain. God blessed him greatly in many ways. And in the end, Jacob becomes extremely wealthy and his business deal flourished and his quiver was full and he was heading home to see his dad and his brother and the attitude is now different and, and they missed each other and they longed for each other. Never know one day when the brothers and sisters who left will come home again and see and make amends. Let's just leave it like that. Hallelujah. Pray for your family. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for those... Um, who are going through hard times. Our Valley of Baca can be hard, but it's out of those storms in life. It's out of those valleys when God takes us to the other side. God willing, we are changed. Yes. Oh, I hope you heard that, church. Yeah. We are changed, right? Yeah. We're better for it. We're stronger for it. God will bring the autumn rain and blessings and strength to endure from strength to strength. But we must stay close to God as well and pray, oh Lord, God, of hosts. Hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. By the way, even though Jacob was extremely blessed, um, there's still hard times. We know that his only daughter was raped. We know that Joseph, who had the coat of many colors, right, was, was alleged to be dead for decades, right? And so again, the deceived, but he was really alive, but it was just a lie. And so families lie to each other. How terrible is this? Right? And so the deceiver is deceived again and continue to have trouble. And there are times that your sin will catch up to you. There's times that what you sow, that you, you end up reaping. Right? But that doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. That doesn't mean that God won't redeem you and restore you. And the writer of the Psalms cries out in verse 8 and 9, Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Hear, hear my prayer. That should be us. Hear my prayer, O oh Lord God Almighty, listen to me, O oh God of Jacob, Selah. Look upon our shield, O oh God. Look with favor on your anointed one. The same God who blessed and preached and was faithful to Jacob will also bless and protect and, and be faithful to his people. Amen? Amen? Selah. Now the psalmist started this in verse 1 by saying, How lovely is your dwelling place, O oh Lord Almighty. And he yearns to be in the courts of the presence of the Lord. Now he says in verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. Circle those words for those who walk blameless, whose walk is blameless. I love this portion of scripture. Spending time in God's house and presence was better than being elsewhere. I was recently reminded by someone that they, that they said that they would, would love to be in God's house with God's people every day of their life if that was possible. They longed to be in the presence of God. In a sense, shouldn't that be our heart's desire as well? Yeah. To long to be in the presence of God. And I will tell you this, God longs to be in your presence as well. That's good. <clears throat> to dwell in the presence of God. It's in the presence of God that we're changed. You believe it? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. We're transformed by the power and the authority of God. Without God, life doesn't make sense. You live, you work, you die. How great is that? Right? Think about it. That's what life is all about. 
right? You live, you work, you die. That's be more to it, and there is. And two weeks ago, I read something to the youth, or a few weeks ago, I should say. It was actually, the Westminster Confession of Faith, be careful. I don't want to get in trouble with my AG uh, folks. But Westminster Confession of Faith asks a question and then tries to answer it. What is the, the chief or the highest end of man? And then it answers by saying the chief and the highest end is to glorify God and fully enjoy him forever. How beautiful is that? Amen. Romans eleven thirty six. From for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. First Corinthians ten thirty one says. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. How do we glorify God? Well, you can Google it and look it up. What does it mean to glorify God? To glorify God in a sense, try to mirror His image with with His with love and to love generously as He does. But no one can glorify God perfectly as Christ did but maybe that should be our goal mm -hmm. to be like Jesus to imitate him to be like him to enjoy his presence and to be in his presence forever and the writer of Psalms 84 in various ways is expressing this feeling and emotion to help us understand these concepts we are to enjoy the Lord and his presence to get closer to him on the boards out here, you might not be able to see it on the camera, but it says, love God and model Christ. We are to love God first. And when we do that right, we start to look like Christ. When we start modeling Him, right? And once our heart is aligned with His will and His ways and His words, we start serving people rightly. We start honoring God rightly. We start doing what is right. The Psalms just makes it so clear. And being in, in His presence is something He desires so greatly. He's saying, better, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Being one day in God's presence to be changed by the power and purpose of God than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be the doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And think about being a doorkeeper for a moment. What it's like. You see people, you greet people. There's so many things that can go wrong in the first 30 seconds of greeting somebody. The way you love them, the way you talk to them, the way you see them. Think about the doorkeeper. They're doing their job and everyone walks past them, you get a hello. You get a hi. Everyone walks by. You're the first impression of what God wants others to see. God's dwelling place. In real estate, we know that this curb appeal. How's this sold on curb appeal? I wonder, what's your curb appeal when, you, when someone sees you? Mm. Do, they, do they want anything from your house? Hmm. Hmm. Just think about that. Huh. Doorkeepers, my safety team, know that you have first line of defense. We always look at it in this, from the safety point of view, but also look at it, listen up safety, from the blessing side of it. Not only the first defense to bless, uh, to protect, but to bless. How you, how, you, how you doing? Good to see you. God bless you. While you check them out, just don't pat them down, but check them out in the process. All right, my guns swinging, strong men. But we got secret agents flying around here too. Don't, don't worry about it. Go, to, go somewhere else. Don't mess with us. Ah, they help to set the atmosphere. All right? We often teach by what we do. Verse 11. 
For the Lord God is the sun and the shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. When you think of the Lord as the, the sun and the shield, you might think of warmth and protection. The sun gives, gives light and gives heat to shield for protection and to push, to deflect, right? To, to maneuver certain attacks that might come your way. You might think we serve a God who provides for all our needs according to his riches in, in, in Christ Jesus and in glory. He might withhold no good thing from us. He will withhold no good thing from us, from those who walk is blameless. He bestows favor and honor on us. And so as we live, we are to act a certain way, behave a certain way. What does it matter? Well, it matters great to God and your reward comes from God, right? So walk blamelessly and keep yourself pure and do what's right. Verse 12, O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who, who trusts in you. And after reading the Psalms, it should move us to this Selah moment. Pause and reflect what was just said. And I wonder, has the service slowly coming to an end? Without raising your hands, how many of you are going through this valley of Baca this week, maybe even today? This week, this month, this year. Where times are tough. Where there's weeping and drought. Where the future is bleak and unknown. In some ways, we all go through these seasons. Some for weeks, some for months, some for even years. Some seasons are harder than others. Some seasons are longer than others, right? But what does it cause you to do, Selah? What does it cause you to do? Does it cause you to run and hide and escape and curl into a ball in your bed and never want to get out? Does it cause you to doubt and to fear, to be bitter or get better? Does it cause you to enter God's presence in a greater way? I want to encourage you today, and I'll do this over and over again for many years if God allows me to. There's no better place than being in the center of God's will. There's no better place than being right where he's called you to be. So many people want to be elsewhere, everywhere else. Be where you are. Be who you are in Christ Jesus. God wants us to dwell in his presence and linger in his presence. Many are not coming out to epicenter prayer as we would like. Many are not coming to devoted time as we'd like. And I get that. Many aren't involved in any kind of small group or even with other believers throughout the week. I wonder, why not? I wonder, when are you making time for the Lord? Where are you dwelling? Who are you hanging out with? Why? Is it mostly by yourself? Is it often by yourself? Is it always by yourself? Are you surrounding yourself with the family of God? Another important question is, are you modeling Christ? in prayer, praise, and, and worship. For others to see. It's not just about us. You don't come to church just for yourself, believe it or not. If you just come for yourself, you're coming for the wrong reason. We are to be modeling Christ to each other, lifting each other up, praying for each other, modeling this together. When we dealt in the presence of the Lord, it should be private and public. So much of the church has just... You know, the Bible talks about selfish ambition. And I would say that your private prayer, though that is so important, if it's always just private and it's never public, then maybe you're stuck being in a selfish place. 
Now I get it if you're home and you're stuck in. We're not talking about that because then we get these dumb letters and these texts, right? You, it's just like, stop it. Just understand the spirit of what's being said. If you're shut in and you can't get out, that's not what we're talking about. We're, you should have your private times. But let me be clear. We ought to be in the public forum. And this ain't, this is a church. So it, it's private in a sense, but it's public in a sense that we're all to come here and to reveal Christ. Do you truly have a love for God? Do you truly have a, a love for God's presence? And I will add, do you truly have a love for his people? Because how do we have love for the world if we don't even have love for each other? We have to be strengthened and blessed and our faith will grow in a valley. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Hallelujah. Blessed are those who strengthen you, who have set their hearts on this pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make, they do this, they make a place of springs. The autumn rains come and cover with pools. They go from strength to strength till it each appears before Zion as we journey in life. Where it leads us has a lot to do where we see God and understand God as we adapt to Him, as we enter His presence, get closer to Him. Would you stand me, church? And let's just pause and pray and reflect on these next few moments that we have. Are you going through a valley of Baca today? Come spend some time on your knees. Come spend your time right where you are on your knees or at these altars. Others have been through the valley. And some might be going through the valley or just about to be in the valley. Make time in the presence of the Lord. Lift up holy hands and your voice unto God. Learn to do this even when you're going through these valleys. Uh, leave it better. Watch this. Leave it better than you found it. Declare the wonders of the Lord. Worship and praise Him as you look to Him. Baca is not the end of your journey, but a stop, but a season, but a moment. But the Lord, I believe, is going to get you through it. Right? Your mindset should be, I will overcome. I am an overcomer, declares. You should declare that I am an overcomer. Right? Dig a well. Fight for your life. Stand strong when you're feeling weak and tired. Let your, let your eyes fill up with tears. Yeah, that's fine. But allow the wells that were dug to bring refreshing sources of water. Trust God in the process. That'll give you strength and, and strength and help carry you upward and outward. Be careful of becoming bitter, full of anguish and despair. Learn to forgive. Learn to love. Learn to fight your way out and to climb up out and press on and hold on. Don't give in to the despair. Four times, at least four times, he says, Oh Lord Almighty, He's mighty to save. He's mighty to transform hearts and lives. He is, he is a mighty deliverer and mighty to overcome the great struggles and worries of life. Lay it all at His feet and leave it all in that valley of Baca don't take it with you as you climb up and climb out because the journey is too hard to have all this baggage as you're trying to climb uphill. If I allow faith to grow and develop and make you stronger, 
as you're going through the valley and you're climbing out of the valley and pray that the Lord will rain these showers of joy. Holy Spirit, rain on us. Hallelujah. Rain on us. Pray for a little bit. A little bit more.
Church.